So, so what does God want most for you? Is it um, that you succeed in your career? Is it that you prosper financially? Is it that your family is in a good place? Is it that you are healthy and you live a very long life? Is that what God wants most for you? Maybe we, want a bit, maybe we should be a little bit more spiritual. Is what God wants most for you is that, is that you're generous with your time and resources? So many of you are. Uh, maybe it's that uh, you're involved at church. Or maybe it's that you know his word really well. And you pray often. What does God want most for you? For me, I think if, if I knew the answer to that question, that would change everything. And so that's what we'll be doing today. We're going to be looking at that question. What does God want most for you and for me? You know, this past year, 2022, was a, was a challenging year uh, for a lot of us. Um, involved pain for a lot of people. It did for me personally. Uh, I've been blessed beyond what I deserve, um, but there were some difficulties. My older brother, Greg, as many of you know, passed away in late uh, February, 60 years old from cancer, and I miss him greatly. I think of him daily, and there are days that I forget that he's not still around. I wish I could talk to him again. Six months later, his oldest son, Scott, took his own life. I wish I could talk to him again. I wish the last time I had seen him, I knew what was going on. I could have said, hey, there's, there's hope in the darkness. There, there's light. You're loved. But I, I won't have the chance to do that again. So there's pain. There's, there's some regret. There's some what ifs. What does God want from me this past year in coming up? I, I know I'm not alone in my loss and my pain. What does God want for you? Most, what does he want for you? For, for some of you, the pain is not related to loss or grief. It's, it's a strained, broken relationship, maybe with a spouse or a sibling or a child or a parent. For others, the, the, the pain isn't, it, it's more physical, it's disease or, or a chronic pain or, or a terminal diagnosis. Maybe you're, you're having a good year. You had a good year. You're in a good space of life. Your health is good. Your family's good. You're feeling good about things. Regardless of where you are in life, whatever your circumstances, I believe that there's something that God wants most for you and for me. And it's the same thing. What is it? Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to John chapter 15. And we're going to begin at verse 1 where Elena Claire just finished reading. Uh, we're continuing our sermon series, Cultivating Your Faith. We kicked it off last week. The, the idea is that we need to be intentional about our faith. If we want to grow, if we want to know more of God, if we want to experience Him more powerfully in our lives, we want more clarity and guidance and wisdom and all those things, joy and peace, we need to cultivate our faith. We have a responsibility to cultivate our faith. Last week, we looked at Jesus' parable in, in Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower, or some people say the parable of the soils or the seeds. But um, in that parable, Jesus taught how we are to till the soil of our hearts and how we do that by what? By hearing and responding and putting into practice what we hear. And as a result of that, we produce a harvest of righteousness. We produce fruit. 
in sort, we, we, we grow. Well, this morning, we're going to look at John's, Jesus' words in John 15, and we're going to try to pull out of this what we believe God wants most for you and me. Now, the context here is, is with these words in John 15, Jesus is he's walking. He's with the disciples. They're, they're walking. They've left the upper room where they just celebrated the Passover, which, of course, is something the Jewish people do every year to, to remember and to celebrate God's deliverance from, from death and slavery in Egypt. And they're headed towards the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night before Jesus was going to be betrayed, before he'd go to the cross and be crucified. And, and, and just before chapter 15, Jesus tells them he is going to be leaving them, which would have caused some concern, I'm sure. But he says, you're not going to be alone because I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And then he says, come now, let us leave. So you can imagine Jesus' disciples, they're, it's dark, they're working their way through the streets of, of, of Jerusalem. There's not many people out. It's the middle of the night. As they're working their way towards the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus desperately wants to talk to his father, is past some vineyards. Jesus uses that as an object lesson to communicate the truth. Jesus said in verse 1, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every part in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more faithful or fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If a person remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So John and Peter and Thomas and and Andrew and James, they've been with Jesus for three years there's hardly been a day gone by where they haven't been with Jesus. They're, they're, they're attached to the hip, figuratively. But in a few moments, within a few hours, they're going to they're gonna distance themselves from him. They're going to run away from him. They're going to deny knowing him. And Jesus is saying, I'm divine. You're the branches. If you remain in me, you'll bear fruit. But apart from me, you can't do anything. Now, I found that true in my life. In my life, when I, when I seek the Lord earnestly, when I am intentional about trying to obey things in my life that God reveals to me, uh, when I'm intentional about nurturing my relationship with Christ, trying to draw close to him, I see fruit. Either in myself um, with my attitude or behavior changes, or maybe in my relationships, where I'm able to forgive someone or I'm able to talk to them in a way that I can see God using me to encourage them or to challenge them or to help them or, or just simply to, to share the good news of Jesus with them. But when I'm not, when I'm just going through the motions or drifting, the fruit, it isn't there. It, it, it's like a, a kink in a hose. And the empowering of the spirit of the risen Christ that slows to, to, a, to a trickle. And when that happens, my effectiveness for God, the fruit, my growth, it's stunted. And it, you know, it dries up a little bit. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me. Let's continue in verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, they are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, 
ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Is that what God wants most for us? Is the answer to the question we are to bear fruit, produce fruit, to live productive Christian lives, to demonstrate to the world we love Jesus because of our character and our kindness and our our service, our good works? You know, last week we saw we're called not only to believe, but to follow, to put God's words into practice. And when we do so, we produce fruit. God clearly wants us to do that. Is that what he wants most for you and me? We are to produce fruit. We are to do good works. We are to demonstrate to the world that we love Jesus. But I don't think that's what God wants most for us. I think the fruit is a result of what he wants most for us, most for his people, most for you. Think of it this way. What do you want most for your kids or your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews? Well, you, you want them to trust you, right? You hope they will follow your advice from your life lessons so that things will go better for them. Well, well God wants that for us as his children. He wants us to trust him, to follow his commands so it will go well for us. But it's not what he wants most from us. Because if we focus on, on only obedience, on a transaction relationship with God, where we obey in a transaction with him, the fruit is, is tainted. We can fall into you know, legalism about rule following, about performing. And the fruit that comes out of that is not sweet. It's not what God wants most. The answer, I believe, to our question is found as Jesus continues to speak in chapter, or excuse me, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my love may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. That's a lot of remaining in there, isn't there? Uh, Eleven times in these short few uh, verses, Jesus says remain. Other translations, abide, remain, abide. What does God want most for you and me? It's to know and to experience and remain in his love. What does that look like? Well, it's when the core of our identity is God's love for us as his children. It's when we look in the mirror and we see a man or a woman, a child or a teen, a tall person, a short person, a person with lots of hair, a person with thinning hair. We see a a pastor, a teacher, a farmer, a nurse, a doctor, a student, a mom, a grandma, a grandpa, a retired person. All those things are part of our identities. But the core identity is shaped by God's love for us. It's when we, we seek God and we see his blessings all around us in the sunrise or the sunset or the smile of a stranger or the hug of a child or a call from a loved one or a Bible verse that comes to mind just when we need it. It's when we know we are redeemed 
And we have a sense of the Lord's presence throughout the day. It's when we wrestle with guilt or shame about something we've done or said. And we remember that we are forgiven, that we are loved. It's knowing that no matter the circumstances, whether pain or loss or grief or stress or fear, that God's love is real, he's faithful, and we are in his hands. What God wants for us is to know him personally, to walk with him daily. And that happens as we know and experience and remain in his love. That's the only way healthy, good, productive fruit comes from. Now, sometimes it might be, seem easy to know, experience, and remain in his love. We see God move in our lives. We see God move in the lives of somebody else we know. And like, yeah, that's it. This is awesome. Sometimes we sense him in worship during a song or scripture leaps off the page to us. Or in prayer, there's a warmth or uh, um, a strengthening or an assurance or a clarity. But that's not always the case, is it? Sometimes it's harder than that to know, experience and remain in God's love. When that's the case, it's trusting God's promises, even when we don't see their fulfillment yet. It's seeking him. Even when he seems distant, it's reminding yourself of who you are, a beloved child of God, and staying close to him, attached at the hip, like a vine and a branch. Remain in my love, Jesus said. That's our part of the relationship. Remain, no experience God's love. Now, God, God's part is simply he has to be himself. That's all he has to do. Jesus is, God said, excuse me, John said, Jesus, try this again. The Apostle John wrote, God is love. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Scripture tells us. God doesn't change. So God's got that part down. He loves. And he wants most for us to know and experience and remain in that love, in him. And so what God does, he's like a master gardener. He prunes our lives so that we remain in that love, to cut away the things that, that put a kink in the hose, that keep us from drawing close to him, to trusting him. And he prunes us so that we would grow. But unlike a, a rose bush that's pruned by a master gardener that inevitably, just naturally produces beautiful flowers that, that blossom and bless those who see them, we are not always inclined to respond to God's pruning because it hurts. Because it involves pain or, or sacrifice or, or change. It requires a clear-eyed look at ourselves and a steadfast trust in God that he knows what he's doing, that what he's doing is for our good. But his will is to prune away those things, those beliefs, those actions that do not produce fruit, that keep us from knowing the fullness of his love. Now, I'm sure some of you might be wondering about verse 6. I haven't forgotten it. Forgotten it. You probably have some questions. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So if we don't remain in Jesus, are we tossed aside and lost? I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying. He's using a, a, a metaphor to make the point about what happens in our lives when we do not remain and stay connected to him. A branch that is not connected to the tree is no good to produce fruit. It's just the only thing you can do with it is, is use it for some other purpose. We are of no use 
practically speaking for the kingdom of God, when we're not connected to him, when we don't produce fruit, we're dry and we're withered and we miss out on what God wants for us most to know and experience and remain in his love. I mean, our, our connection, our relationship with him isn't severed, but our ability to produce fruit is. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can't do anything. Apart from me, you know, apart from me, the things you do, are, they're like branches that are only useful for, for building a fire. You can't produce fruit with them. So when we remain in God's love, what happens? We are able to love others as he has loved us. And we pray and know his will, and he answers our prayers accordingly. And our joy is made complete. You see, the, the greater the attachment, the greater the love for others. The greater the connection to Jesus, the greater the sacrifice and service for others. The greater the attachment to Jesus, the greater the joy and peace, no matter the circumstances in our life. And the greater the attachment to Jesus, the greater the connection to the vine, the greater the likeness to Jesus. So, so what steps do you need to take to know, experience, and remain in God's love? Uh, where is God pruning your life? And how are you responding to it? So what are the things, uh, beliefs, attitudes, actions that cause a kink in the flow of the Spirit in your life? Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. God is the gardener. What does God want most for you? To know and experience and remain in his love. Because out of that, everything else, everything else flows. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for always telling us the truth. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, through whom we can have a connection, a life-saving, eternal connection with you. We thank you for the gift of your spirit, which fills us and convicts us and guides us and assures us and seals us. Father, help us to, to understand and the depth of your love for us. Help us to understand who you are. And then, Lord, help us to, to lean into what you want for us most, to know and to experience and to remain in, in you, in your love. We offer ourselves to you, Jesus, praying for that and trusting you to do it. Amen.
Quickly before the benediction, a couple of things I want to highlight. Uh, first of all, Alpha is starting up on uh, January 31st. It's an eight-week course. Uh, if you want to kind of grow deeper in your relationship with Christ, uh, if you have some questions and you're maybe a little skeptical, uh, this is a great course. Uh, there's food, there's videos, and they hit the basics of the faith and look at the, some of the questions that people have about faith. Um, also, Immerse, we're starting up Immerse uh, on February 12th. We'll be reading through the poetry of the Bible, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, so on and so forth. And we'd like you to consider participating. The, the Immerse books are in the foyer if you want to pick one up out there. There's details in the worship guide. Uh, so now if the, the prayer team could take their place at the end of the hallway to the side. If you're here today and you'd like somebody to pray with you after the service, please, please join them there. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, his Son, and the power and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and always. Go in peace and remain in Jesus and his love for you. Amen.